Welcome to the Jackets Online podcast. I'm joined by Russell Johnson's Kelly Quinlan, and uh, I did that sort of backwards, but whatever. We're at, we're a little rusty. It's been um, almost uh, seven weeks, maybe, since we last potted. Um, with the way June unfolded for us, it was too insane to actually kind of have time to do this. Um, I, you know, I've mentioned this on the board. I think I saw 6,000 kids or something in the month of June in person between all the different camps. I was at camps in uh, six different spots, I believe, in two different states in six different cities, uh, technically. So, yeah, that's a lot of kids. Um, Russell uh, was there with me for some of that um, in the ATL and you know, I think from the top, you know, the easiest thing to probably do for us would be just to kind of go back and look at who, who all popped since we last talked. Um, so that takes us all the way back to the end of uh, May. And the first guy is DJ Moore, the kid from Archer, the wide receiver, um, has been a very vocal kind of recruiter for Georgia Tech's behalf. Uh, Russell, kind of take us back to tell us a little bit about DJ. So DJ is somebody who blew up uh, during the seven-on-seven season. Uh, coaches were finally able to see him move. Um, he's, he's had some injury issues in the past that are, uh, are in the past now. It, it seems, you know, he's, he's fully healthy, and, and, and really he looks, he looks good to go. Uh, you know, he, he measured well at the, um, the, the five-star challenge he was able to compete at. And um, like I said, he, he was really good in seven-on-seven for hustle length. Uh, Hustle Link has been been good to Georgia Tech the the past couple cycles, and looks like they're going to be good to him again in the the 22 class. And um, more, like you said, he's been a, a very vocal leader, um, but he does a, a lot more. Like he's been he's been talking to a lot of kids, you know, off of social media and in, in private, you know, trying to trying to help build the class. And uh, for a class that, that still doesn't really have a, uh, I wouldn't call it a leader, a quarterback, I guess is what you would call it. Um, he has really stepped up in a way that, that they've kind of needed, especially on the offensive side of the ball with some other um, recruits that are committed who have been kind of a little bit more soft-spoken and, and not really trying to influence other kids as much. Um, you know, kind of, you know, looking at DJ, I got to see him a little bit um, in Atlanta at the five-star uh, he was kind of a kid that we got some kids to fill in. It was a weird, that was kind of a weird experience because of um, COVID. We changed some of how we handled uh, bringing kids here and stuff. So that led to a lot more Atlanta kids and, and Russell and I tried to help where we could get some of those kids backfill. Uh, so that gave some opportunities for like DJ. And then the guy committed right after him actually to Georgia tech uh, beating out another kid by a few minutes and uh and Brandon Best, which was almost a month later, um, you know, Brandon's a kid that both of us have, have got to see uh, in person. Um, I have saw him at Tech and at Five Star. And then um, we've both spent a lot of time talking to him, too. Uh, yeah. Kind of, you know, Brandon's – what I like about Brandon, and I'm a little bit of an offensive line snob, is – he's a kid who could literally line up at all five spots. I don't know that you want him to be your left tackle, but he could play left tackle in a pinch. He can play guard. He can play center. Uh, ideally, I think Brent key probably envisions him as a center, uh, you know, of the future to compete with Weston Franklin. I think those two guys are the two guys he's got kind of 
tapped, I think, right now to, to, to handle that position long term. But Brandon's a really interesting kid, great body, uh, you know, was really flying under the radar at Tucker, which is kind of weird. And then went to Milton and his recruitment blew up in about the case of what, six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was something like that. And, you know, he, he visited Kansas state the weekend before. Um, and then the next week he was set to go to Virginia tech. And I had actually interviewed him when he was at the um, Georgia tech for one of the, the camps where Milton was competing. And I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try to maybe OV, uh, maybe a midweek or uh, it, maybe it'll be in July. I'm going to try to get a note to an OV at, at Georgia Tech. And then uh, actually that same day, later that night, I hit him up and was like, hey, man, the, the wind was blowing really hard in our interview. I really couldn't hear what your visit plans were for the next couple weekends because I kind of had a, a a little birdie tell me that some things may have changed. And uh, so I, I'm talking to him and he's like, you know, it's a good thing you asked. Uh, my, my schedule's kind of changed. And I'm like, okay, wh what's going on? And he's like, well, Virginia Tech's off the pick, off the table, not going there. I canceled that visit. And I was like, oh, okay, where are you going? And he's like, well, yeah, I'll be at, I'll be at Georgia Tech this weekend on an official visit. And uh, just seeing the way that you know, Key was able to, basically emerged from the shadows because you know prior to june 1st uh, best had, best wasn't even really somebody who was being talked about uh, you know he went to georgia tech he had a, a private workout with with key and the staff who loved what they saw offered him on the spot and then from there it was kind of just a you know get it done type thing and once virginia tech's visit was was canceled and you know he'd already been to kansas state so he couldn't say that he didn't get to go other places I mean, it's kind of hard to compare Manhattan, Kansas, and, and Atlanta. Those are like two totally polar opposite type places. <laughs> so, you know, once that happened, you know, he was ready to make a decision. You know, he took his OV, and you actually interviewed him basically when he was already committed. Yeah, uh, it was funny because, you know, we had this conversation right after he left Georgia Tech, and he was like, yeah, I committed. I'm going to take, like – two days to call all of the coaches that are recruiting me. I want to tell everybody. And I feel like it was like father's day weekend when his OV went down. So he didn't want to call people that Sunday when, after he left tech, he said that he wanted to wait till Monday to not quote unquote ruin anyone's weekend, which I kind of respected. Uh, I, you know, I imagine, you know, in the world of college coaches, they probably wanted him to get that out there as quickly as possible if you're Georgia tech, but Brandon um, kind of did that. And then that dovetailed into the other story that was going on, which was another kid that kind of emerged quickly, which was Griffin Scroggs, who I went to Grayson, met him, and Georgia Tech was not really super active recruiting him at that point. Uh, yeah. You would put him on a list of guys you wanted me to kind of check out. And they were doing um, that day at Grayson, they were doing like a walkthrough. So there's literally nothing to check out other than, I, you know, you and I talked about his size, and that was about it. And, yeah. um, then I think it was like a week later they offered him, <laughs> which was sort yeah. of annoying right after I'd been there. And then um, he was on that same, he was on the same trip with Brandon, right. Um, that weekend. Yeah. So uh, then it was sort of a race. We sat there trying to figure out which one was going to pop first. Cause it impacted. We had both stories already written. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out how, like, 
because there's you know usually we'll throw a line in like this is so and so commitment or whatever yeah and it turned out i think they did them what like six minutes apart or something yeah it may have been even less than that i mean it was man it was back to back it was it was just boom boom I, i remember i had the thread all written up for uh scroggs and i had it ready and then it was best who committed first so I pushed publish like the thread with the commitment. And then I had to hurry up before hopefully anybody saw it and edit it and change the name. <laughs> nobody, nobody caught it. Cause you know, I, I think I caught it in time, but that was just, that was crazy. It was a, uh, that was a big day. Um, Cause you, know, you were talking about how Scroggs kind of blew up out of nowhere. Uh, I thought that it, you know, Key did a good job there and Georgia tech did a good job. Uh, of you know pulling the trigger uh, there were a lot of schools including the, the other in-state school that was really them, you had miami you had uh they were trying to get them to take a visit um yeah there were a few other schools that had kind of swung in there because really hit ahead like kansas and then a bunch of g5 like decent g5 offers and that was it and then yeah um in iowa state maybe and then you had georgia kind of swing in there and then everyone that opened everyone's eyes and they were like oh let's What's this kid about? And he was starting to get to the point where he was probably going to spend a while taking visits. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, Key and, and Tech were able to kind of lock that down and probably in that meeting with Collins, you know, you're our guy. This is this is what you, where you want to be. This is what we want you. And, and that was really that, uh, you know. And, again, you know, at that school, you know, Grayson, it's uh, just a, another notch in the belt for, for Georgia Tech. I mean, Let's say they're going to have a full starting 11 from, from that school. Things keep up the way they are. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, I was like, I just set up shop at a Grayson football game and, and cover a bunch of Georgia Tech recruits at this point. Um, yeah. And it was funny because the whole time we were sitting there kind of wondering what was going to happen with um, – with, uh, we had been sitting on Tyler Gibson's commitment for over a week at that point, um, who was the next one up and Tyler had told us, and then he had a date and I forget what the, what the reasoning was, but he had a date that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And we sat there on this commitment and it was funny. Cause at that point he had committed, he was the first offensive line commit and he ended up being the third because yeah. of the, time, the timing of it. Um, or no, I'm sorry. He was the second offensive line commit. He ended up being the fourth. Uh, um, right. is Jeffrey, uh, the kid from Miami being the first one, but, um, that was just a weird one. Cause Tyler had a rough day when we saw him at, uh, Lambert at the, the rivals camp and just yeah didn't, didn't have a great day. And that's, that was a tough environment. Cause that was a really loaded camp too. Um, yeah. with linemen and you kind of go back and look at it now. All the kids that we saw that day are committed to pretty major programs. Even the guys we weren't huge on, um, like like Mo Clipper, you know, is at Tennessee now. You got, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these guys have all started to sort of land places. And the guys that maybe we were looking at that day um, kind of fell to the wayside as other guys emerged once they got kids on campus and got a chance to work them out privately. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's been it's been it was crazy. You know, they did so many weeks and months of, of recruiting worth of visits and everything in um, in twenty seven days. Yep. Yeah, no, it was insane, and um, that was sort of the mad scramble about it. And that's why the board 
people talk about like, you know, we like we do our big board of offers and it, it fluctuated so much because they were finally seeing kids in person working out guys on their own. And um, there was just a huge variation on kind of how well or poorly that went. They brought kids in that were maybe personality wise, not fits or size wise, didn't quite match up to maybe what they were on paper. Um, I know a couple of defensive ends, you know, that we, we saw didn't literally did not match up to what they had put on paper. Um, yeah. The one committed to Georgia state today on Thursday, as we record this. Yeah. And one um, one's committed to, I think TC right now. Um, yes. But you know, it, it's just funny. Cause like how all that stuff kind of unfolds, that's the reality of the coaches not being on the road for two years, basically. Um, right. The last time they were out, you got to think about this was January of 2020. Um, and they were trying to wrap up the 2020 class at that point and just starting to kind of dive into, to what was last year's class. So um, it's been a while. And so everyone was kind of, you know, it's interesting because I've had a lot of people reach out through back channels, like uh, at other schools, even um, just to, you know, like, Hey, is this kid this size, <laughs> you know, like some questions like that over the last year, because I saw more kids than any of these coaches did because we did a couple of camps in March of last year. And then, you know, went to some games and some different things. And, you know, we were the only kids getting eyes on the, the only people getting eyes on these kids in person. So, um, you know, that was interesting. Um, you know, Gibson, you know, the, the four star guys, uh, it'll be interesting to see where he kind of ends up in the final rankings. I could see a situation where maybe him and best flip, um, yeah, possibly or both end up four stars. Who knows? Uh, you know, the next guy was a guy that you and I saw together at one of the seven on sevens as uh, Kyle Eford, uh, from yeah. Acula, who was a guy that I think you thought was going to commit like four months ago or something. And then it kind of rolled into, into July and it seemed like maybe it wasn't going to happen at one point. And then he looked really good when we saw him, like, uh, he was much bigger. And I think than either one of us thought, in person yeah he was, he was bigger more athletic and, and faster and i think that was really kind of exactly what georgia tech wanted to see you know they got to see him in a setting where for an inside linebacker it's typically not your you know your forte but you know with eford being a, a running back and a linebacker you know he's used to being in space and um i'm not going to say that when he made that you know leaping one-handed interception in the, the semifinal of that seven on seven tournament that that was when they decided, okay, this kid's a take, but it was a pretty damn impressive moment oh, in, a, sure. in, a, in a spot like that. And uh, especially for, for a kid like that, you know, I mean, he had a, a lot of the other um, out-of-state schools who typically recruit Georgia Tech or recruit Georgia. You know, you had, you had Maryland, you had Purdue, you had Vanderbilt. Um, there, there were a few others in there Duke, as well. Indiana. Yeah. He had he had some options in terms of in terms of schools he wanted to go to, and uh, you know th- those aren't the type of schools that, that Georgia Tech's going to. It doesn't seem like they're going to lose recruiting battles to anymore. I think I think that's fair to say. Now, you know there there are some other schools lower level in the ACC where they, they did lose a recruiting battle to, but but we're talking about Eford right now. Um, and 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 with Eford, I think um, the the relationship he had with uh, Caleb Edwards. You know, being teammates and really, really you know, close friends throughout everything, and 
And I also found out that uh, Caleb, Kyle, and DJ Moore actually played together um, in, in youth football when they were younger. Uh, so, so that was huh. kind of a, a factor too. Uh, even DJ had been, like I said earlier, you know, he, he had been talking to Kyle quite a bit. And, you know, now Kyle's talking to other people quite a bit, especially, you know, trying to get that, that second linebacker. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and it was sort of it timed out really well. He had just gone to Purdue, I think, on an official visit, and then he came back mm-hmm. and went to Georgia Tech for the seven-on-seven seven that Thursday. Well, uh, when was Wednesday? It was Wednesday, yeah, because it was the day of my flight. Yep. Um, and, you know, that was that was when things really started to kind of uh, heat up again, and they had that run of uh, the four commits over the 4th of July, basically, um, weekend. <sighs> You had uh, Nate. I mean, you had Kyle, then uh, the the tight end from Gonzaga, Nate um, Kariski. Kariski, and um, Nate was an interesting guy because he came in and did a personal workout, and that's how he got uh, kind of separated himself from other guys because they had um, several of them in to to kind of work them out, and that was the kid they they liked him and the Daquan Wright kid that ended up going to Virginia Tech. Those were the two two guys they liked and it worked out for Nate that um you know that that opportunity came up for him and, and it sounds like from you know what everyone said about him he's just a great kid yeah yeah I'd, I'd agree with that and you know with with him between him and and, and the right kid the the two real really primary tight end targets throughout the um the month of June like you said you know he came he flew to, he flew from D.C on his own dime on an unofficial visit to you know, work out see the campus and everything. And, and that was really his first experience with Atlanta. And then um, they flew back. Uh, it really, really was, it was down to them in Louisville. There's some other schools who were still trying to get in the mix, trying to get in the mix, trying to get in the mix. Um, but, but we's a hand, you know, he was able to, to close that one. I was able to beat Louisville. Uh, it's another school where, you know, if, if Georgia Tech is going to elevate themselves as a program, those are the kind of recruiting battles that if, if they're going to take a kid like that, they can't lose that recruiting battle. Um, but absolutely you know, getting back to Wright, you know, with, with Wright and his recruitment, it, it, it was really weird because like he took a, an unannounced visit where, where I, I literally had no idea until later on that he was at Georgia Tech. Um, he, he visited right before, he actually um, committed to Virginia Tech, and he was he was there. Uh, you know, he he sat down and met with the academics people. Um, got the chance to to really spend some time with the members of the coaching staff, and they were really able to get a feel for his personality, and you know, kind of how he would potentially fit on the roster, and how his family would fit around the culture and everything. And and then you know, from there, it seemed like I talked to him. Two days later, three days later, and um, that was when you could really start to feel like you know Virginia Tech was going to be the the fit for him and where he was going to end up. He would never he would never come out and just say it, but it, it was it was pretty apparent that you know that was where he was headed. And it makes sense. I mean, if you've ever been to uh, Perry or <laughs> the area he lives in, it's a lot. Uh, there's a lot more similarities to Roanoke or. Blacksburg or that whole area up there than than Atlanta 
um, just kind of different vibes. Maybe he liked that small town feel, uh, Virginia Tech. That'll be an interesting situation there as their coaches, uh, uh, you know, if if his seat were controlled by a burner, I'd say it's on a, about an eight out of a ten right now, Justin Fuente, um, with them Just being – I think them being broke is, is keeping it at an eight. I think if they had had the money, they would have fired him this past season. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and maybe, maybe he'll turn it around. I don't know. Their recruiting has not been – there've been some real kind of head scratchers so far in this class uh, for 2022 and in the ACC recruiting Virginia tech's one of them. Miami's definitely one of them uh, Virginia a little bit as well. So, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, how these schools that very much impact Georgia tech, like they play those three schools, right. Yeah. Um, you know uh, what is and Pitt kind of chugs along and they do whatever they do and they seem to find kids and develop them. Um, you know, that's where you got to get past that group and then get yourself in a position to compete with North Carolina, but you need to win those battles against those teams more times than not so far in the cycle. They have really Daquan Wright's the one that pops in my mind that really has gone a kid that they really wanted that didn't end up at Georgia tech. Um, Mason, you mean, or are you, no, no, I'm talking, I'm talking about ACC coastal teams. I'm saying Daquan, Daquan Wright was maybe the, the only one they've lost to a coastal team in the cycle so far, um, you know, uh, other than maybe some kids in North Carolina, but I'd have to even go look and see who they have committed right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Marcus Allen's the only one I could think of that was. Um, yeah. And that was a, a unique situation too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you really can't blame the kid either way. You I mean, if he wanted to play with his brother, that was one thing. If he, wanted the idea to, to potentially play against them. That was another, I mean. And... Yeah. It's a, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what the other teams do in the coastal. Cause uh, you know, kind of looking at it right now, um, you know, uh, in our 22, 22 rankings, um, you know, Virginia tech has 18 commits, which is sort of throwing um, them ahead of even North Carolina, Right now, you sort of have North Carolina, Georgia Tech, or like uh, North Carolina is like a little bit ahead of Georgia Tech because uh, they have one more four-star guy that's a two fifty kid, right? Yeah. And then Duke, who's actually had has a pretty good class this year for the first time in several years, and then it's Pitt and Virginia, and then Miami's in last place of the coastal teams because they only have four commits, which is super weird. Um, I don't know what the hell's going on there, but. Uh, you know, if you go to what I think is the barometer right now, which would be average stars, uh, Miami is in, in Clemson are in first. Um, but again, Miami's is weird because they only have four kids. Everyone else has at least six. Um, that would be Florida State, North Carolina, and then NC State and Georgia Tech are kind of tied in that next realm. So, uh, yeah, it's a good position to be in for Georgia Tech. Um, and Georgia Tech's thing is they have some – you know, there's going to be a couple of things that are really important now, one of which is holding on to one of their big time uh, four-star commits and, and then Jared Willis, um, the safety linebacker, depending on what defense you're running, um, who has now become a highly sought after recruit by both Florida and Florida state who draw really well from the area he's from. So, uh, you know, that's going to be an interesting battle. Kind of what's the latest with them. Yeah. I mean, there was a, 
there were some rumors going around that he wasn't going to, you know, stick around, stick in Georgia Tech's class. And goodness, I think it was was it Sunday night. My phone was getting blown up, and they're like, "Oh, what's going on with with Willis? Is he going to stay?" Da 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 da. And um, and then the story came out on uh, our floor site, our Florida rival site, that he was going to take an OB to Florida. And everybody started panicking, started panicking because because now Florida decided, to, you know, after the kid committed to Georgia Tech, they they were going to switch the position that they were recruiting him at. I mean, I, I mean, Wesley McGriff's a great recruiter, but I mean, if 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 that were going to be your stance, you know, you, you might want to get in on that a little earlier in the process. Because at, at this point, I, I'm not sure, you know, where Florida stands. I would really say that in the end, um, that, that Willis is going to end up being a you know, Florida State and Georgia Tech battle. Well, so here's where I think this is interesting because I think Florida coming into this helps Georgia Tech because they're going to kill Florida State and and privately and probably less. So. They're not going to go after Georgia Tech in the same way that they are going to go after Florida State to me, like having done this for a long time and seeing how all of these people operate. Like Dan Mullen has a vested interest in the kid not going to Florida State more than more even more so than him going there like if he's not gonna if they're not a serious contender for him mm-hmm. he's gonna want the kid to not go for state because he doesn't want to have to deal with them right he goes to georgia tech he never has to see the kid he goes to florida state he sees him every year and that's you know another notch in mike norvell's belt and they're having a good year in recruiting so to me i think it helps to have a third player in there Having seen a lot of these situations like this where a school jumps in like that, that's in the backyard, I think what you can see is a lot of times they screw up that school that's trying to flip the kid from the place he's been committed the longest, and the kid ends up sticking with the place. And sometimes it works out against you. Sometimes it works for you. In Georgia Tech's case, they've been on the kid so long. I think if they have a good season, I think they'll be in a good position with him. I think that's the one sort of knock that any of these schools can have right now, and and, you know, theoretically, Georgia Tech could have a better season than Florida State this year. Um, just, you know, even looking at the schedules, which Georgia Tech is quite a bear of a schedule, but Florida State's in, uh, and to me, is in a bigger mess than they are. And they play, and they play Notre Dame to open the season in, in Tallahassee. So, um, you know, now granted, they're playing like nobody in non-conference other than at Florida. But and I think there are other non-conference games are Jacksonville State, UMass, and uh, and then Florida. So are they really bringing two quarterbacks to media days next week? That's what it says. They can bring three people. So I, you know, I guess that's a way of deflecting. I would think that would just intensify the arguing um, or the the questioning. And Florida State's. So I'll be at both days. The 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 media days, like two days, one day is the Atlantic, one day is the coastal. Uh, the Atlantic one's hilarious. Cause that's the one that's always jam packed. Cause Clemson has like 3,800 media people. Their media quote unquote, they're mostly just fans that operate websites that somehow get credentialed. And then Florida state has a huge media following too. And then the next day, if it's the coastal, it like kind of dies out a lot, and it's just really people watching Carolina and um, and uh, uh, you know Virginia and Virginia Tech because even the Miami media don't travel that well for that. So um, it, it's uh, it'll be amusing to me to kind of I get to kind of sit back and watch that kind of crap show with with Mike Norvell and 
Florida State. And I, I just I haven't known Willie Taggart and where that pro where you got that program uh, and how badly it fell off and the how bad the culture got. Norvell's got a lot of work to do, man, and he's a good coach. I'm sure he'll get it turned around there, but. Uh, you know, uh, it'll, I'll be really curious to see what, um, they look like. They also play, uh, North Carolina in their cross other crossover game this year at North Carolina. So not, I think that might be the week before Georgia tech plays them, um, or no, it's two weeks after, but either way, I think that's going to be a really interesting telling moment for Florida state, but you know, this is one of those things, man, like if the kids stayed committed through those visits, and he took you know the visit to Florida State and got pushed and pushed and pushed and didn't flip. And his buddy, you know, or is his buddy committed there and yeah, all that and is still staying. I think that's a good sign for Georgia Tech. Um, call me an optimist, but you know, I would agree with that. I think if if you put a gun to my head, like everybody on the message board loves to do, um, I would say that you know I would expect. Jerron, or I would expect Willis in the class. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. You know, it could end up surpassing the drama of uh, the quarterback recruitment that's that's gone on for the last uh, two no, months. No, no, no. There's two months. Um, ten, well, ten months. Yeah, it, it, this has not gone well. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech got in a weird spot. Um, missed on a couple kids early, and then never had in-person evaluations of a lot of these kids. So like a kid like AJ Swan, they saw him two years ago. Like yeah, they jump in late there, you know, Tevin, Car- Tevin Carter, they didn't see him until the middle of June when he came down to, to work out during the week of the seven on sevens. Um, you know, those are the two guys they were recruiting at quarterback, I would say right now. And you two very different style of player and, and, Russell and I have both put in future cast for Tevin to end up at Georgia tech. I think that's the move they're going to make, uh, you know, compliments Jeff Sims really well, very similar skill set, bigger guy, maybe doesn't, um, is a, a little bit different in terms of his game than Jeff Sims, even though they're very similar physically, he's kind of like a bigger, thicker version of, of Jeff in some ways. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's much, he's bigger than Jeff and that's, you know, that's saying something because the kid hasn't been in a college weight room. And, you know, as, as much as, you know, the quarterback position's about, you know, throwing and the mental part of it, you know, seeing Tevin's build, you know, just even when he was on his visit to Georgia Tech, you know, seeing the, um, the way he's kind of put his body together, especially, you know, I mean, I've known him since he was, you know, going into the eighth grade when he started really first blowing up. And um, seeing, seeing his growth, both, you know, as a, as a quarterback, and you know, with his body has been, you know, it's been something, something to see. And um, you know, I wouldn't say he's as fast as as Jeff. He wouldn't, he wouldn't either, because I I asked him about it at, at one point, and um, he, he wouldn't say he's as fast as Jeff, but it, he would definitely, he definitely thinks he has a stronger arm. So that's that's something that that I think is interesting. And you know, I, I think you know, with Tevin just being at the Elite Eleven you know, earlier this month in July he really had a chance to, to, to show that arm strength and to show his, his ability to, you know, understand the, the mental aspect and the football IQ part of the game, because, you know, so many times you see these you know, strong arm quarterbacks and, and they don't ever develop the, the consistent footwork, the consistent mechanics and, you know, re- repeating their delivery every time. 
and you, you've had guys in the past who are able to, to make it to the, the NFL, even just straight off of that athleticism. Uh, but, but once they get there, things kind of, excuse my language, but, you know, crap hits the fan. And if, if you're not doing the same thing consistently, you know, you, you're probably not going to make it very long at that level. And, and, and with Tevin, that's really what his, his next step is going to be. Now, that's what the, the pressure is going to be on you know, Pat Node and the rest of the staff to do if he does end up at Georgia Tech and, and ends up on campus in January is, you know, how are you going to develop him? Uh, what, are you, what are you going to work on? Like, you know, I mean, there's, there's some, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of upside, but there's also a lot of things that, you know, he, he can improve on and he will improve on as, as long as they're you know, focused on from staff from day one. Yeah. I think it's going to be real interesting to see, um, kind of if getting another quarterback in that mold kind of pushes them more to staying in that spread um, style quarterback that's of the Cam Newton, Russell Wilson mold versus the, you know, big tall pocket passer, which is what AJ Swan is. And and yeah, Ted Beatty, the kid they brought in from Temple uh, as a transfer right. and Tucker Gleason was to an extent. Um, yeah. It's clear Maybe. that Pat Note, I think, if he had his wishes would go and take like, you know, Arch Manning or whatever, like that big, tall, strong arm guy. Yeah. I think historically and just being in the ATL, I think you're better off taking the more athletic guy and not taking the, um, and not being so, so, um, caught up on maybe the measurables or the traditional big pocket passer. And I think the NFL is starting to shift that way too. I mean, it's uh, there are teams that like that, but I think it's a lot easier to win if you have a guy who has some mobility versus Matt Ryan, you know, um, like the days of those guys are, you know, some teams still have them, but I think it's becoming much more mixed than it's ever been in the NFL too. So I think you can still sell that NFL vision and have Tevin Carters and Jeff Sims if you can develop those guys into, a, you know, Lamar Jackson light or whatever right. it is. You know, it doesn't have you don't have to all be you could, you know, you don't have to be Justin Fields. You can be something in between that and still be really successful program. So, yeah, you know, this, this is where everyone the eyes are going to be really on to on on coach Padnone and Jeff Sims and how he's developed over the last, um, the, you know, whatever, eight months, nine months or whatever it'll be when kickoff mm-hmm. rolls around. Um, yeah. Or I guess 10 months. Um, <clears throat> kind of looking at what else uh, people are going to ask us about. Um, the second running backs, a, a very common uh, conversation you have. We have them down to three guys, I think right now. Right. Um, Glover, Barnes, and Felix. Yep, and Barnes looks really good. Uh, had a chance to meet him. Met Glover as well. Uh, both like both kids personality wise. Jamie Felix is kind of a weird kid. Um, doesn't talk a lot uh, yeah, to, yeah. To, to media at least. Um, right. You know, he has a weird. He had kind of a weird recruitment. Hasn't taken a lot of visits. He's in a. Uh, you know, down in Camden County. Um, so it's a hike for him to really go anywhere to visit. Um, yeah. See, with, with him, I think that, you know, whatever ends up happening with Glover 
And then, you know, if, if they feel like they're, you know, falling behind or further behind or, you know, if they feel like they're out on barns, you know, as you know, time progresses and time goes on, I think that's one where they could kind of turn up the heat and, and really make things interesting. I'm not exactly sure what team is pushing for Felix. Like, so like it's Florida, that. maybe? I think. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, other than them. But I'm talking like at a, at a power five level. I mean, as much as Gus wants I think he's to, like BC list for like Florida or, you know, I think Auburn's just probably we think he's they're going to get Damari. So that kind of takes them out of the mix. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's like a priority guy for a Miami or some of those other schools. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. He's sort of, I think, the sort of perfect B-list guy if you can – keep him from committing somewhere between now and, and the time right. you make your, you, you get to that situation where you can make a decision. And here's the other X factor in all this too, that I will point out to people. Things could change dramatically when the coaches go on the road in September and start seeing kids in person too. Cause that's right. sort of another little X factor to all of this, like getting eyes on the kids that couldn't come to your camps or going and seeing new kids or whatever, or, or the guys who make the huge leap from their junior to senior years. There's a lot of kids that just don't have the resources to go drive from wherever they live to Atlanta or some other college town and go work out in a camp and, and get recognized. So there's always, you always got to have a little flexibility for the kids who blow up late. And, um, you know, that could also play to their, to their benefit too. I think you can throw a rock in Georgia and hit a good running back. Um, so I don't think that's a thing that if you're a tech fan, you should be worrying about right now. I think that'll sort itself out and they'll get good people, particularly if Gibbs does what we think he will um, this season stays healthy and continues to show kind of that progression with Chishar choice uh, kind of guiding him. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that completely. I'm still not a hundred percent certain in terms of, you know, what is, happening in the the world of Jalen Glover um it's been it's been really interesting because at one point he was a lock to Florida State and then skipped their spring game went to Georgia Tech spring game and then he you know took all his OVs um, all the buzz coming off his midweek trip to Florida State was that you know he it was all but a done deal all but a done deal and Know, and Florida came in with an offer and, and Florida's trying to get him to visit. There's, there's just a lot going on because, you know, shades of Jameer Gibbs a little bit in some ways. Um, yeah. I mean, the only thing missing is an early commitment somewhere. Yeah. And I mean that, and uh, yeah, the fact that, you know, he hasn't started playing his senior season yet and he's gotten all this, you know, extra attention and, and offers, but, you know, Glover worked out for the Florida coaches. The Florida coaches really liked what they saw. And, you know, they pulled the trigger on an offer. And, um, you know, whether or not they end up taking him, I think is where things get interesting. Because if they don't take him, um, you know, South Carolina's still in the mix. Um, Georgia Tech's still heavily in the mix. And, and Florida State's still heavily in the mix. But at this point, you would think that if Florida State was going to be the destination, that it would be done. Yes. Especially when they went on their, you know, their rampage or whatever it is they're calling, they called it, when they had all those kids on campus and, and basically wouldn't let them leave, it felt like, until they committed. <laughs> um, they, like, locked them in there and said, you're committing or you're not going home. 
either you commit or your offers are not committable anymore. I mean, yeah. The life of a, a power five recruit. I mean, it's just, it happens sometimes. I mean, I don't know if it happened there, but I'm just, you know, that's just a analogy I'm making because, you know, at that point, you know, when they had Glover on campus, they had him in Norvell's office and, and they had him, you know, talking about it. I mean, they've got his teammate committed. I mean, South Carolina has his other teammate committed. It's an interesting situation. And it's one where, you know, at some point, you know, that, really strong relationship that, that Aaron Joe has in that area. And then, you know, secondary recruiter, uh, Chris Wiesahan, who's that, that's his territory. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what him, what Joe choice and, and Wiesahan are able to, to pull out when it comes time to close on that one. Cause I mean, if they had to choose between the three, I think they would choose Glover. And then I think it would be Barnes. And then if, you know, Barnes is waiting, waiting, and waiting to see what happens elsewhere, then I think that's when you see Felix come up in the, in the, in the mix for that spot. The thing that's interesting about Glover, too, is he's a little bit more of a traditional running back. He's not just an all-purpose guy. So he can he gives you a little bit more. He is more like Gibbs in terms of he can run between the tackles and do a lot of those things. Just physically is a little bit further along, thicker guy. Um, so – you know, that, that's a whole other interesting piece of this. And, you know, I think the other store, the other big story is the other defensive tackle spot, or if it's two more spots, um, depending on what happens, probably at end, but yeah, the horse locket saga. And yeah, it's, it's interesting that the remaining guys on the board at D tackle right now that we have, you know, Isaiah Hastings is a kid from Canada. You have, um, the kid from, uh, from Fort Valley, Peach County, where Quiz Jackson's from, uh, Quintel Jones. And then you have uh, Lockett, who's over at Westlake, um, who may have a teammate that ends up on the flat soon. And then you have uh, Alton Tarber, who's at DR Field Beach, who literally does nothing, like has no social media, or no interviews, doesn't really even like talking to coaches that much. Um, so it's just a lot of different personalities. Like Isaiah Hastings, like one of the most outgoing, like nice guys you'll ever meet. Lockett's seems like he might be kind of reserved. And then Tar- Tarber's like totally shut down. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tarber's, uh, Tarber's interesting. I mean, you know, at Deerfield Beach, I mean, that's a, that's a school where um, they have a quite the variety of um, recruits. I mean, I believe that whole school came and visited at some point um, back in June. Yeah. I think, and, I think uh, you're right about that. Yeah. Um, but Tyber somebody, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount Georgia Tech's chances with. I mean, I know no, and he might like the, to get away from, you know, the, I mean, if you look at, he has a really impressive offer list. Like if you go look like who's recruiting him, um, and that's another fascinating one where Miami can't shut the door on a kid that's like down the street uh, yeah. that they, they, they definitely want. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, I really like Hastings. Hastings is kind of um, the personality type that fits at Georgia tech. Um, I think what's interesting too, with him is I think you can, he could play a little bit of end if you needed him to physically. Um He's not, you know, as big as KJ or, or Lockett in terms of 
like he carries his weight better i guess would be the way i would put it um did we talk about kj uh we didn't you know we skipped right over kj so we'll come back to him in a second but um you know hastings is an interesting kid you know uh i got to spend a lot of time with him actually this summer and uh i really like him um and i think he's a fit personality wise but his recruitment's super weird because it's he has a truly national recruitment um yeah from michigan to georgia tech you know and has no real ties anywhere because he's from Ontario, Canada. Right. Exactly. And he, yeah, he grew, oh man, he had that, the one camp performance and he just, he told me when I talked to him that he was having trouble keeping up in terms of posting the offers. I'm yeah. not sure if he ever stopped, but he said, I would Google him and search so-and-so school. I would save the pictures on my phone. I'd, I'd post the tweet and I'd get ready and do the other one because they, they would just kept coming. The offers kept coming from that camp. Um, he talked to so many coaches and, and you know, really that's what he, he is a great um, example of what can happen in this satellite camp era of recruiting. You know, you've got all these coaches from all these different schools at one of these big camps. And you know, a lot of people don't like mega camps, but if you have that many kids, somebody at that level is going to stand out. They're going to stand out in drills. You're going to stand out in one-on-ones and, and you're going to recognize the, the, the men amongst the boys is, you know, as cliche as that sounds, but that's what well, you're I mean, a, a six foot five, 290 pound guy sticks out and yeah, exactly. D line drills, you know, like I was able to pick him out. The, the camp I was at was at uh, university of South Florida. They had literally one of the weirdest things ever. They had no numbers, no jerseys, it was just kids wearing camp shirts and I picked literally picked the kid out of the crowd because I saw him and was like, that's a dude. And then I watched him and sure enough, he was a dude. And then it turned out to be the kid that one of the kids that wanted to actually see um, when I just like found out who he was. So like, you know, that, that's one of those things that um, is super interesting, but let's circle back to KJ. Cause we, we totally whiffed on that one. I, you know, I caught a lot of grief. I went up to New Jersey for the rivals camp and um, ostensibly, you know, in, in some ways it was a, a opportunity to bring the family to go see uh, my in-laws that live up there and all my wife's family um, who she's from New Jersey. And um, I was like, Oh, there's a rivals camp there. There'll probably be a couple of kids I could talk to. And really the, there were two Georgia tech targets there that were um, in the 2022 class. It was a, uh, it was, uh, K, uh, KJ Miles, and then um, Tamiwa uh, Dorje yeah. or whatever, yeah, yeah, uh, the defensive end from Delaware. Mm-hmm. Um, so that ended up being a really fruitful trip because I got to spend time with both of them, both really good kids. KJ was really interesting, he was hurt at the time, so he wasn't camping, camping, but he was just kind of hanging out and did some of the did a few things he could do, but. Yeah. You know, it was really interesting because that was the first vibe that we got that he was really interested in Georgia Tech. And it was um, interesting because he wasn't on our list. We didn't know he was going to be there. And Adam right. Friedman, our, our, our mid-Atlantic East Coast guy, was like, hey, Kelly, uh, KJ Miles just was like talking up Georgia Tech to me. Hey, you should probably talk to him. I was like, okay. And I actually interviewed him after we did our media session. It was like later on in the camp. And I pulled him to the side and we did a video that I put up on jackets online and 
it was just funny because like it was um i think everyone just thought he was going other places uh i mean this was a kid that was being recruited at one point by auburn alabama like all these big time schools and they ended up kind of settling with a group of schools he wanted to focus on which was texas wisconsin and georgia tech maybe the weirdest final three i've seen in a while uh from a recruit that from new jersey no less uh it wasn't like it was a kid you know i could see that maybe if it was like a kid from like the midwest or like new orleans or something i don't know or florida but a very strange final group of schools for for keith and um great kid and uh you know big pickup for georgia tech yeah absolutely uh you know for so long you know all of the jokes on the board were always about get me a war daddy get me a a, a four-star d tackle and, and i'll be happy basically and you know when, when he turns out they work uh, by the way <laughs> no, Spoiler no, alert. <laughs> no they're never happy um but you know landon miles was was, was big you know was with wisconsin you know he went there on the visit and you know there there are some other um new jersey natives that thought they were going to be able to pull that one off and I mean, to the point to where at one point, I think all of the future casts were for Wisconsin. And it, it almost felt like it was just a lock in turn from, from their side of things. I mean, you know, you did your interview and I think it was like a day or two later that the Wisconsin future cast started coming in. And, and it, that was uh, an interesting, you know, subplot to all of that. But, you know, he took the Wisconsin visit and then you know, up la- last up right before both his decision and, um, the dead period was a trip to Texas and, you know, a, a big school like Texas, I mean, as, as bad as they've been on the field the past you know, decade or so, the, the past several years, uh, you know, that they still recruit well. And, and that, that's still a recruitment that, you know, that you would have thought they would have been able to close on, but, you know, he went on the visit. Um, Georgia tech actually had the first shot. So, you know, that was still really the lasting impression and kind of the, the level that was set in terms of, you know, comparing the other visits. Uh, you know, what did he think of you know, Wisconsin? What did he think of Georgia Tech and, and, and kind of where things were at from there? Yeah, it's going to be. Um, it, it's kind of a good thing. And I think this is a situation, too, where the staff having that experience up in New Jersey. I know Larry Knight coaching at Temple with Je- uh, Jeff Collins and those things pay off a little bit in this situation, too. Um, that probably got them turned on to this kid. Um, they were probably tracking him, you know, as far back as Temple even. So I think they probably got a little bit of an early jump there, got into the mix and, and stayed in there. Uh, so that that paid off for them. You know, uh, we're getting ready to head into vacation week for Russell, and then I'm going to the ACC kickoff next week uh, after I leave quarantine from my child's hand, foot, and mouth disease. And uh, where I'm spending the next several days still in quarantine. And um, then we have ACC kickoff. Then I take my vacation. The next thing you know, it'll be fall camp uh, at Georgia Tech. And don't have any idea yet on kind of what, how that's going to unfold um, and what, if we're still doing Zooms or it's going to be in person or if we're going to be at camp all the time or not or certain days or you just better be happy you got your your vaccine you, you wouldn't be a lot of the notre dame press box yeah so that's a funny story i didn't put this on the board because it would turn into a giant shit show but um yeah, yeah sorry for bringing it up <laughs> uh yeah so notre dame we got an email from uh mike flynn our 
our football SID at Georgia Tech, he said, hey, this is from the Notre Dame SID. If any of y'all are planning on going to South Bend, be aware of this. So they dropped a bombshell on their media um, a couple days ago that uh, all unvaccinated media are not allowed on campus for any event to cover anything. And you have to have had both shots and been out of the back window of the second shot, which is what, two weeks or whatever it is for we, yeah, 14 days, 14 days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, not a big deal for me. Uh, I, I've got my shot. So, but, uh, but I just thought it was fascinating because they're, uh, it's certainly a polarizing topic. I think all of the Georgia tech media f- that I know fall into having got their shots too at this point. Um, the last one I think did his over the summer. He was telling about it. So, um, but yeah, it's just kind of an interesting thing. They're a private school. They can do whatever the hell they want. And, um, no one can really say anything about it. They said they might make some alternative arrangements, but, uh, you know, we cover some other schools, uh, in our, in our little circle. And I think some of the other schools we cover, Russell would not be following this, uh, trajectory Hell, USF has had, you know, it took like, I think a couple of us complaining and over the spring to get them to go into, um, to actually doing zooms. They were like the last school that was still doing in-person media at like the very like apex of like the COVID freak out, uh, in the country and, and people being concerned about it and, and, and really having mass infection issues and stuff and not knowing how to treat it. And they're still having like media just standing outside, but they have them all bunched up. I mean, it was super goofy, but, um, you know, and one of the guys who worked for me fell into one of the categories of guys that, uh, is high risk. And he was like, man, I am not going to this shit. I was like, brother, I was like, I got your back. And I guess he had a chat with SID and then they did start doing zooms. Um, that's funny. I spent the entire month of March, April, March and April on Zoom every day uh, to the point where it was exhausting. I, I got on a Zoom the other day. It had been the first time in like uh, almost a month uh, to do talk to Danny Hall the other day. Um, yeah, and the, the draftees and everything. Yeah, with the draftees. Um, that had been the first like Zoom Zoom thing I'd had to do probably since uh, the end of spring football. Um, we did one thing for rivals, one or two things for rivals, but that was it. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I appreciate zoom. It's really helpful. It helps us record this podcast to be uh, perfectly honest with you. Saves me a little bit of dough not having to buy some uh, different software to do it with, but, um, a little bit tired of it. I, I think you lose a lot of the nuances of having this ID have to like call on people and, because the reality of it is when um, when we do like our normal media stuff, it's like, you know, we have like a system worked out amongst us, like the media people, like we can kind of in a, in a normal media scrum where it's just a bunch of us standing around a guy talking, we can kind of rotate on our own without stepping on each other too much. And, you know, it's a lot clunkier when you have to have someone call on everyone and then you know, Rod, you're muted, Rod, you're <laughs> muted, you know, or, uh, we got two of a couple of those in the Danny Hall ones Zach Klein also got to, uh, find himself for doing a muted, uh, <clears throat> thing on that call too, uh, from WSB, but yeah, you know, it's just funny to see Ken's also notorious for that as well. I, I have 
knock on wood, fared fairly well with that. Um, my issues, the only couple issues I've had have been connectivity issues or my computer freezing up, not, uh, not, uh, not the, uh, try to leave myself muted and what people watching me talk and nothing coming hey. out. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, uh, I think we're all ready to have sort of a more traditional media situation, have, you know, our photographer back on the sidelines, have a more normal group of people in the press box, have a little bit more of a fun experience, get to be around the players a little bit too. I think you learn a little bit about them just being able to observe their personalities too. Like there's a lot of kids like AC Lee who they're bringing to uh, ACC media days who, you know, I, th- I think he has an interesting story there. I just don't think we've been able to scratch the surface of it through zoom. And those are the stories that people like myself or Ken or whoever want to tell. Uh, and that are really difficult to do with that setup. And with, with the way Georgia tech is Georgia tech's really demanding academically. So it's hard to get a lot of time from these kids on the side to do one-on-ones or whatever. So um, that time to be able to pull somebody to the side and go talk or whatever, or, or do what we've often done uh, in the spring where they just bring over a position group and we all spread out and interview whoever we want for however long for five, 10 minutes or whatever. And you, you pick and choose who you want to talk to. And I'm a guy who likes to talk to Devin Ellison, you know, the running back who's not playing a lot or, um, you know, an Austin Smith, who's a guy who blew up in the spring a little bit on the offensive line. Like those are the guys I'm interested in a little more than maybe talking to Jameer or Jeff or um, some of those cats that, that we talk to all the time. So Hopefully we get back to that. I think that brings a lot of value to the site, being able to, to talk to more of the uh, breadth of the the roster. And that's a really interesting thing with NIL stuff too, like how that works and and who um, who does their own shows, who does their own thing. Do we do uh, our own thing with a kid? Like a lot of stuff to kind of think about over the next couple of months, but uh yeah. We'll keep you posted. We'll be back more often. I think we'll still probably be a little spotty over the next two weeks. Um, I'm going to the beach for a week. Um, assuming my child gets healthy. He's, we've been, as of this record, we're on a Thursday. Uh, my son spent Monday at the doctor, Tuesday in the ER, Wednesday. Um, was okay and then thursday he was no, I'm, uh, whatever something like that he's been either the doctor or the er all week so um we've been home with him so it's been a little bit of a nightmare um uh with the, with a toddler and trying to work and stuff so and then russell's sort of in the same boat with two youngins and we've had all the craziness with recruiting and uh we're just trying to do the best we can right now to 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 pod when we can just to make sure we keep our content up. We had an insane month of uh, late June and July, just killing it with content. And we're taking a little bit of a step back for the moment to breathe a little, um, but it'll crank right back up. Really probably starting with the barbecue on the 25th, I would think. Yeah. 404 barbecue. 404 barbecue. Hopefully it's not sunny's. Russell, you probably don't know what that is, do you? No. Oh, Sunny's is this like 
southeast uh assume it's southeastern chain oh, wait um, is that like a, a buffet they have like a, they used to have a salad bar i think in them but gotcha. it's like a mediocre like barbecue place like it was like where like if your family had no taste in barbecue you would go like i think it's what they they may serve that in the stadium so i apologize if they do but it's it's you know it's like it's like mcdonald's of barbecue that would be how i would free or like not even chick-fil-a level but Oh, man, like a you, Papa John's of barbecue or whatever. Like I can I can hear the thread the people typing on their keyboards. No, no, they're gonna. I guarantee you this. They will all agree with me on my hot take on Sunny. I will say that Sunny's barbecue has um, their baked beans are good, and they have uh, they used to at least have good garlic toast. I haven't been to one in you know 15, 20 years, so maybe it sucks now. Like many of those changes that over expanded, but uh, at one point like when I was growing up in Athens, they had, that was the barbecue place you could go to. Cause it was like the only sit down one that was not like a shack, like a wood shack with, like, it was like the only place with the air conditioning that had barbecue um, that was not to go only. So to give you an idea of how, how things have changed over the last, oh Jesus, 30 years or whatever, 35 years. Um, now you can get like Korean American barbecue hodgepodge at, at uh, heirloom market. That's delicious. So it's right. Yeah. Well, someday you'll get to experience all this. Russell will get you down here and you'll, you'll get to enjoy barbecue. And then you can miss your skyline chili or whatever the hell it is. You guys no. eat up in Ohio. Please. No. <laughs> A big plate no, of no, no. Cin- cinnamon chili with some beans and uh, like, half a block of cheddar cheese on it and spaghetti noodles i will admit like that's like it's actually good like once every couple of years but like i've had it made for me homemade i don't think i've ever been to a skyline chili but um you ain't missing much it doesn't seem like it but you know whatever you can you can eat your chick-fil-a to your heart's content there's like four within 15 minutes of my house like omnidirectionally around my house. So yeah. they're, they're uh, literally everywhere here. So you can, you can enjoy your, you, I know you love your Chick-fil-A and that's right. we wrapped it up by talking about chicken because that's been the thing going in the discussion thread ever after uh, Suttis tweeted his bees out the other day. And then we had a kid decide to <clears throat> uh, create a more articulate way of committing than he had originally planned. Uh, and slow the process down to, to uh, uh, snail's pace now. So maybe by the yeah. time you guys listen to this, that'll be out. Who who the hell knows when that kid's gonna <laughs> make his announcement? But any final thoughts, Russell? Um. Well, you know, the, the chicken, the chicken com- conversations were were something. <laughs> I found out that I've got quite a few places to try these chicken sandwiches at. I, it's eleven uh, pages you know, as of tonight uh, when we're recording this. Yeah, I don't, it'll, it'll be it'll probably grow to about let's say 13 or 14 before the kid commits um but you know other than that um i think that you know the the month of july um, is not going to be as um, i mean obviously from a content standpoint it hasn't been as crazy busy at least this part of july you know this middle part well everyone's um, but, on vacation too that's the other part of it that people yeah, don't realize I mean, like the staff coaching are, staffs yep kids are on vacation with their families like 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we try to take vacation as we can. Uh, yeah. That's been a little bit difficult. Um, yeah, I was then, actually supposed to be on vacation this week and that got blown up. Um, so, you know, like, it's just like, you know, we're in that little bit of a lull between the start of the season and the end of sort of the bulk of summer recruiting. And then it's going to be nuts because we're going to hit that barbecue weekend and then it's going to be nothing but kids committing and, and football camp and com kids committing and football camp and starts yep. with high school seasons and start college season. And the next thing you know, we'll look up and it'll be December. Yep. Exactly. All right, Russell, I'm gonna let you go to sleep. It's late. You gotta get up early. Uh, I got to babysit a small child and hopefully we will be back sooner than later. Hopefully we'll not have another month long break plus, uh, but for Russell Johnson, I'm Kelly Quinlan. This has been the Jackets Online Podcast. Thanks for listening.